Welcome to the Lead More Podcast. I'm your host, John T. Meyer. And the Lead More Podcast is the show where we sit down with leaders of today to help inspire and create more leaders for tomorrow. Because I believe the world needs more leaders and you should be the next one. I want you to think back, if you've been there, to college, your freshman year of college. When you move in, you move into a dorm room, you're meeting all these new people, you go to the cafeteria, maybe some late night parties. It's very social, it's very new, there's anxious energy. Now imagine being a freshman in college in 2020. That is what Brandon Jong is doing. And in this episode, we talk to Brandon. He's a freshman at Columbia University in New York, except of course, He's not in New York. He's from the Bay Area and doing the entire semester remotely. Now, Brandon is an incredibly smart dude. Over the past six months, he has grown his following on Twitter, kind of building and learning in public. He started a podcast and even scored an awesome apprenticeship with Visualize Value. In this episode, I wanted to learn from a new leader because I think we all can learn from people older than us, younger than us. You know, Brandon's just getting started. But in this episode, we talk about some of the mental models that he is practicing. What is it like to attend virtual college in 2020? And we dive into what he calls the student mindset. What does that mean? And how can leaders of all ages and all titles learn from that philosophy? This is a fun conversation. I learned a lot and I know you will too. So let's sit down and listen to Brandon. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Lead More podcast. Uh, I'm here with my friend Brandon. How are you doing today, Brandon? Very good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So uh, I say friend. My wife always makes fun of me for folks that I make, meet online, right? Like our internet friends. Um, I followed you. Followed. We have mutual people we followed um, and mutual friends. Uh, Robbie, who is on this podcast. Uh, so I'm excited to dive into some of the work you're doing. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you're doing right now in your life, kind of the phase of your life that you're at. Yeah, so currently I'm a freshman in college, which in 2020 is, is very different. So I'm actually not on campus right now. But the great thing about that is that it's allowed me to take on other different opportunities and doing a lot of that remotely and doing a lot of that online. So I have a podcast called the Student Mindset Podcast where I talk to different creators that I look up to. A lot of them I find on Twitter. I feel like that's kind of the platform that I've really discovered during this time. And, and it's really, really underrated, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And it's also how I found kind of my part-time job right now. I'm working at Visualize Valley, which is a digital marketing agency with Jack Butcher. And kind of helping him with different marketing things, just all around just learning from him as kind of like a, I call it kind of like an apprenticeship model. It's been, yeah. it's been a good time. That's great. And so for anybody listening to this, who's thinking, well, wait a minute, this kid is a freshman in college and he's on this, this leadership podcast. My answer is yes, because the big part of this show is that leadership looks different and comes in all different uh, shapes and sizes. And in your own way, you're becoming a leader in, in, in your, in, in the work that you're working on. So I'm excited to have you. So you're a student at uh, Columbia in New York, but you're from San Francisco. So you've not set foot on campus like this year, right? Yeah, not this year. I visited twice. I went to boarding school on the East Coast, so I've been in the city a lot. So I'm familiar with kind of that region, but not this year now. Crazy. So what is that like to join a college and never really meet your co-students? Yeah, I think it's been, it's definitely, there's been a mixed reaction, right? Like I understand there's definitely people that 
are kind of struggling during this time, it's hard depending on your household environment, depending on kind of who you know, like your kind of how your high school set you up to kind of approach this type of learning. Yeah. For me, I consider myself pretty lucky in terms of one, uh, my household situation is okay. And also like I know people from my high school or I know people just through kind of mutual friends that, that are also going to Columbia. So I've been able to like make friends through that. And I think for me, at least like the number one metric or heuristic, I think like, it's almost like a tactic. It's just like, I try and make a friend in every class I'm in. And mm-hmm. for online, that just has to be like, you just have to be kind of pretty confident in your outreach over social media, just put yourself out there. And that's kind of like one reason I kind of think like this kind of extroverted side of me. Um, so it's been, it's been very interesting. It's pretty mixed in terms of when, like what opportunities you have to interact with different people. Yeah. Teachers, the good thing is that teachers do recognize that. So they're trying to um, kind of add more kind of breakout rooms and kind of like opportunities for students to like kind of interact themselves during classes, like try and at least grasp at any sort of semblance of building kind of like a community among the yeah. class. And so I think I would definitely give credit to, to a lot of my teachers. I know this is not like indicative of everyone's experience, but I think that it's so far exceeded my expectations because I had really low expectations going in, um, just given how kind of high school ended. Um, obviously that was like not blaming the high school or anything, but it was yeah, COVID, yeah. turn around and any, everything like that. So um, it's been, it's been interesting still. So you, you said you had low expectations. I was going to ask you this question as a person who clearly isn't um, afraid of taking the, uh, the unconventional path. Was there ever a time where you thought maybe I won't attend college or were you like, I'm going to do this. We'll do it remotely, figure it out. Yeah, for sure. I think if I, I knew it was going to be remote going in, like that might've changed my decision, but, but for a while it was pretty clear that, that we were going to go back mm. and, we, we even got our dorm assignments like probably like two, three weeks before school started. And then, oh, wow. so I think like if I had knew, I mean, it's not like it's been a bad semester so far, but I think like if I knew kind of like what it looked like, I, I w- would have definitely considered like at least alternate paths for, for, for a year. Yeah. So tell me what a day looks like in your life uh, right now where you have online classes, but you've also started this podcast and you're also doing this apprenticeship. So like you wake up yesterday on a Thursday, what, what, like, what's your day like? Yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting. I, I kind of describe my, my week as, as almost two parts where Monday through Thursday, I have classes. We don't have classes on Friday. So um, I, I usually consider Monday through Thursday, like very much committed for, for school and stuff. So um, focusing solely on not solely on school but for the majority of my time on school and then Friday through Sunday is more time to experiment with different things in terms of like kind of the online side of things and obviously there's trickle over in both and I think that I'm on Twitter every day and I think Twitter has been a big part of like meeting people finding mentors growing kind of an audience or connection with people and so, but the good thing about that is I use a software to kind of automate it. I've recognized that like if once you get on the platform, it's pretty hard to get off. So I just um, kind of ensure that I have posts queued 
um, for the next day and then just go on a couple times to interact with different people and things like that. So yeah. I would say that like recognizing that you want to keep your schedule rather clean from interactions and things like that has been, has been key for me. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about that. So I think, um, you know, a lot of folks on this show, we've had a former governor, we've had a New York times bestselling author uh, might have influence as leaders in the more traditional way based on their title, based on their level of influence. Um, but what you're doing is absolutely another a, a legitimate path, like building an online brand or a monopoly for the, what you know. So tell us, unpack that. If someone's listening and they're like, well, why is this kid automating tweets? Like, I don't get it. What's the, what's the benefit of that? I understand it, but explain it in your words. Yeah, I think that for me, it was also pretty surprising to me at the start of summer. You told me that Twitter could be something that can get you opportunities, can allow you to connect with so many different people. I would have been pretty shocked. But sure. I think at this time, I think that for me, at least, like Twitter is everything that I thought LinkedIn would be. I mean, <laughs> I think LinkedIn is great and all, but a lot of times the, the connections don't feel as genuine and the outreach is, is harder to kind of come across. And I think that what happens on Twitter is that basically your bio and your timeline kind of becomes your resume and becomes your proof of work. And basically there's so many, like you can get a lot of direct access to really cool people on Twitter. Like you mentioned, like, um, kind of on the show, you've had um, a best-selling author. I was able to interview James Clear, who's kind of like the number one New York Times. Oh, best yeah, Atomic Habits, great book. Yeah, and I was just simply through kind of the serendipity of, of connecting through Twitter. And then it's just like, I've also talked with uh, the founders of Morning Brew, kind of just like that was the serendipitous connection and just I find a lot of my guests through Twitter. And then it's, the great thing I like about it also kind of apart from the networking aspect, which I think is totally underrated. If you're good at like reaching out with like cold emails, just apply the same method to cold DMS. And it really opens up another world to you because like, like I said, a lot of these founders, these CEOs, these leaders, they're just kind of checking their inbox, right? They don't have an assistant kind of watching their Twitter DMS. It's very much yeah. a personal space for them. And, yeah. But I, the great thing is like when you post something, right? Like you get really fast feedback loops. Like people will either really engage with it. They'll respond with it. Um, they'll kind of DM you if they really like it. So that's been another really powerful idea for me. Has Twitter and the way you've, you know, say this last six months or so embraced that, has it changed the way you think about college or the way, like the way you approach learning in school? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it definitely has in terms of like, before I thought that it was always kind of like startups were really almost technically driven. Like you had to be an engineer to, to, to found a startup. But I think that Twitter has shown me that there's tons of different types of startups. There's different ways you can approach that. There's different roles at startups that you can kind of commit yourself to. Um, and kind of on a bigger scale, there's just a ton more opportunity than what some of the traditional paths presented to you are, right? The traditional paths that these clubs at school, these everyone else at school talks about. Like if I, like no one at my school knows what I'm talking about half the time. When sure. I tell them, so um, it's always interesting to see. 
I love it. I mean, in that time period, it sounds like that most of this has happened since you graduated high school. So you've, you've gotten an apprenticeship, you've started a podcast, and of course you're still doing your schoolwork. So uh, what's your system for uh, being, you know, I think this life gets busy, the older you get, it just keeps getting busy. But in college, there's a lot of like busy work. There's a lot of things that just take time. And so it sounds like you got a lot of balls in the air. How do you, how do you manage? What's your, your, your system? Yeah, I think for me, it's just kind of almost avoiding that shiny new toy syndrome. Like I used to be really into like reading about productivity, like picking up the newest like productivity app or anything like that. But I think just like sticking to a system that works for you is really important and not overloading your day with, I used to always think that like putting a bunch of things on my to-do list would make me feel really good. And obviously get a little dose of dopamine every time you check off that checkbox. But I think that I've been able to kind of redirect that into more like if you get like a solid chunk of just work that's really hard done it's like a much bigger um, kind of boost to the day and for me kind of just evaluating what's most important to me um, I think has been really helpful obviously this has led to like a lot of considerations where sometimes I'm like oh school and sure outside work but usually um, I think I'm lucky in terms of like my podcast I run myself and um, the apprenticeship Jack, who's been a great mentor has, um, has really been pretty understanding of kind of like my background and like my schedule. And so it's pretty kind of almost self-led on my end. Like if I have certain initiatives I want to lead, like it's really up to me. Like there's, we have like check-ins and calls and things um, and obviously like deadlines, but like trying to, have a, a level of kind of independence there as well has helped where uh, kind of, I'm not always stuck with this decision on um, do I have to give up one for the other because yeah. usually um, school will be the priority in, in some sense, just because I have control over the others, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I imagine in a virtual semester, school's even a little less rigid too. There's probably certain like class hours, but also kind of DIY or go on your own progress or own timeline. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, it, not to sound, it's not like a, it's, it's a weird balance, but like, like not being on campus, right? Obviously there's, you don't spend time doing the typical social things in college, right? So a lot of people are probably thinking like, oh, like, how do you have time for this in college? Right? Because there's a lot of things that have been pulled away. Yeah. yeah. By virtue of just not being on campus, there's like a lot more free time that's opened up. Um, yeah. What do your parents think about all this <laughs> when they're like, wait, you're up here in your room. You started a podcast. You're doing this apprenticeship. Aren't you doing schoolwork? Like, what did they say? Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're fine. As long as they see that I'm putting in effort with, with, with school and everything. And they've also seen like the results from the apprenticeship and the, and the show, like some of the guests that I brought on, they think are also pretty cool. So, and they think it's just been like, they, I like try and keep them updated on some of the things that, that are happening just to keep them in the loop. So that's always good, right? Like communicating with them, being clear with them and, and just like showing them like, because it, it is hard to understand. It is kind of new to comprehend. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Even yeah. To explain to your parents why, why you spend time on Twitter, right. It's like a, it's a whole nother, uh, a whole nother bag to kind of unpack. So you talked about the podcast. Let's go there. So student mindset, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So for me, 
I think originally I almost had thoughts of changing the name of the show just because I thought that it was kind of too focused on this idea of students and like people that heard it might might think like, oh, is this only for students? But I think that really everyone is kind of a student. There's this idea of continuous learning that I'm a big fan of. I think that online courses are big. I think that just in general, like picking up things, learning from different people, it doesn't even have to be like an online course, right? Like you're looking at content online and you can be learning. And so I've always been a big fan of that. And that's kind of what convinced me. Like when I first started the podcast, I was only talking to other college students for a while. Mm. That was going to be my audience. That was going to be my niche. But then I decided I realized like that wasn't who I wanted to target. That wasn't kind of, it just felt a little bit repetitive to me. Um, probably on my part, on not diversifying enough kind of the guest pool. Um, but I realized like there's this bigger world out there on really cool creators that were doing their thing on Twitter, whether that be content creators, kind of like in the James Clear mold where they're posting on a blog and then eventually creating a book in business or someone like an Anthony Pompliano who's writes a weekly newsletter, who's also a very prolific podcaster. And like in that mold, I just think that there's like so many people using the internet as leverage, kind of using, understanding kind of this idea of the importance of audience building. And that's been who I've kind of begun to target. I think that people are really enjoying it because it's, there's so, there are so many different ways to kind of do it on the internet. So, yeah. Yeah. And you hit exactly why I wanted to have you on the show. Cause I think we expect the 19 year, I don't know how old you are, 19 year old freshman or whatever to be a, a student and be in like a constant growth and learning uh, mindset. But then we, we sort of get older, we graduate, we get our jobs kind of settle in our careers. And then we kind of think we know what we know, but really in today's world, no, we should always be learning, always be taking that course, listening to the podcast, reading that book. Um, and so I think any leader, no matter the age, can learn from that. So yeah. what, have, what have you, uh, what's some of your biggest takeaways from like, I know, so season two, you sort of changed the, the type of guests you get, maybe less of the students and more of these creators. What, what have you learned from them that you're now applying to your life? Yeah, I think that for Pomp, one of the key things kind of on audience building that he talks about is focusing on one platform at a time, right? I feel like a lot of people are trying to kind of grow, I don't know, Instagram, TikTok, a blog, a newsletter, all at the same time. And that that was just kind of like, you have to build on one platform and then build like a really deep level of trust there and then use that to leverage to grow to other platforms. And so it, it only works, right, when you have that level of trust with your audience. Like that's, like the number of followers doesn't matter. The number of engagement doesn't matter. Like it's, if people will, Kind of believe in what you say and that's only built through kind of engagement through consistent output and things like that and so i've almost learned that and applied it right to the podcast where using twitter as kind of like this open platform for growth and then mm -hmm. using the podcast as kind of like a own platform to capture that and so that's been an interesting lesson a very i guess like technical lesson yeah uh, but the, we've also applied to visualize value where we've got a ton of leverage on Twitter, on Instagram, and then applying that to a new website app that we've kind of launched. And I think that another key lesson just from observing 
the different guests is that to productize your experience, to kind of always document your experience, right? I think a lot of people talk about productizing as something that you can sell later. And obviously that's important, but for me right now, I don't have like a intention to kind of produce sure. in terms of a sale, but just like documenting that evolution, documenting yeah. is, is super important in public. I feel like the public part is really important because you're kind of keeping yourself accountable. You're just increasing that surface area you have to interact with other people. Like someone might chance upon kind of an article you wrote documenting your process and be like, wow, this is really interesting. And then maybe they ask you on a podcast like this, or maybe they want to hire you. Maybe they want to just get on a call to talk. Um, Just finding those things have been really enjoyable for me. Yeah, that's great. That concept of building in public and, you know, for, for students who are listening to this or younger folks, you know, we run a, a content marketing agency here at Lemonly. And, and we always say like, I, I honestly don't really care about your GPA or, or how many minors you have, like, show me something you've done, right? Show me your portfolio. If you're a writer, show me your blog. If you're uh, an animator, like show me your YouTube channel, right? That type of stuff, right? And, and building, creating, documenting leaves you with this really valuable asset, which all you're really doing is just sort of recording what you were already working on. Taking a quick break here from our conversation with Brandon, just to remind you that the Lead More podcast has a Lead More community. We have over 50 leaders who join together online to talk about leadership challenges, opportunities, ask questions, and learn from new content every single week. And you can join. It's just $99 for the entire year. That's it. It's at leadmorecommunity.com. If you want to join, if you want to check it out, go do that now. All right. Back to Brandon. I want to ask you about a tweet that you had recently, this concept of anti-goals. And so people, goals are a big thing, especially leaders are usually goal setters. We think a lot about, you know, this big vision that we set and then we, and then we try to achieve that. I always love how James Clear says, okay, you can set that, but really think about the process of it. It's not run the marathon, it's run every day, you know, so that you become a runner. But anti-goals is a little bit different. Explain that to me. Yeah, so it's kind of based on this mental model that Charlie Munger had, which is kind of inversion, where you're thinking about the problem backwards in in terms of that reframing of it helps you kind of figure out the process you want to get there, get to your goals. And I don't want to take credit for the idea. I think the co-founders of Tiny came up with it. Um, Andrew Wilkinson has an Mm -hmm. article, but I'm a big fan of it because and the idea and the tweet came up because I had kind of amazing guests on my podcast and she talked about how it's important for her. She's a, she's an educator who's kind of in the startup sphere around um, primary education. He talks about how it's even important for kids, but I just saw that and I was like, I mean, everyone can use that kind of like, like this idea of continuous learning, right? Like it's not just for kids, it's kind of for everyone. And basically the idea is instead of thinking like, oh, I want to be a, a founder in a year from now of a startup that does however much recurring revenue. You kind of think about like what I don't want to do, right? Like I don't want a nine to five or I don't want to live in this area or I don't want to have such and such requirements or and you're, and you, and because I think like there's so much pressure in our minds when we're trying to point to one goal because right, the, the key is to a successful goal is to have it be really specific, 
like you said, measurable, yeah. Map out the process that you need to get there. But like, if you pick the wrong one, you spend so much time, but you just find yourself going in the wrong direction and you don't even know it because in your mind, it's all, it's all good and well. Mm-hmm. But easier for us in our mind to think about like what I don't want to do because that's like, we have a very clear indication of like, I don't want that. Um, but, but we don't really spend that much time thinking about it. And sometimes even when we're thinking about our goals, like the, like we might not be able to plan out every second of the process. So parts of the process might turn us into doing things that we don't want. And so it's, it's almost like anti goals are kind of like setting these boundaries that set this path for you, but it's not, as it's wider than kind of just one goal where your goal might kind of go um, curve around in a line, but your anti-goal is kind of just like a wide path where you're not going to move between the boundaries, but, and where you're going to end up, you know, you're going to be somewhere that you're satisfied with, that you're happy with. Yeah. Yeah. Creating those guardrails. Right. So I think uh, we often hear questions, you know, when you, especially when you're younger in your career, but like, where do you want to, what do you, what does your life look like in five years or describe, you know, what, what are you doing 10 years from now? That's a big question. I mean, certainly when you're young, you often don't know I'm 35. I feel like sometimes I don't know that answer, but you probably can't answer what you don't want to do. Like that's more clear. Yeah. And it's just like, I think it's most helpful when you have a bunch of them and yeah, I fully agree. Like at any point in your life, like projecting your futures is really hard. And I think this also, I'm a big fan of mental models, so I talk about them a lot, but yeah. I think it also inside this idea of like regret minimization, which I think Bezos talks a lot about, but it's basically this idea about like, right. You're putting yourself, again, you're putting yourself in your future, like 30 years from now, like what would have, what, what actions would I've done that I wish I had done. Right. Because you want to really minimize the regret you have in your life. Yeah. Let's stay here for a little bit. What's another favorite mental model of yours? Um, that you try to practice in your life? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of good ones. Um, but I think that one is pretty generic, but it's it's definitely been the most helpful. It's just like the 80-20 principle, Pareto. Sure. Uh, but really recognizing that and using that in kind of your to-do list every day, like incorporating kind of at the top goals, which are like, I usually try and only have one or two tasks, but like, I know that if I do those, it kind of doesn't really matter if I do the rest because that's like 80% of what I wanted to do during the day. And I think the the hardest part of mental models is that they are kind of like ways of thinking, right? But there are ways that you can kind of apply them. And I think that that's kind of almost like growing more where people are using no code platforms like Notion or Webflow to build almost like these templates um, that are really cool to kind of take these models and put them into action. That's one thing I'm really excited and I'm seeing everywhere where there's like, like the Eisenhower matrix, people are making templates for that, right? Like there's first principles, like really creating a resource for that bunch of kind of examples, case studies, kind of these questions that they force you to ask. I think that that's just really cool. Like, People are recognizing that, yeah, it's really great that they're out there, but how can we ensure that a lot of people have access to them, have a clear understanding of them and actually use them? Yeah. Well, it's clear that for someone at your age, you're very intentional about the things you want to work on, how you spend your time, where you want to, the goals you want to achieve, even if it's anti-goals. So how do you weigh 
this personal growth that you've achieved, especially a lot recently this year um, versus school, which is a, certainly a huge accomplishment, but they get to sort of decide what you have to, like, you have to take these classes. You got to get this many credits. Yeah. So like, how do you weigh that? And is there, will you have to make a choice or can you do both? Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's as of now, it's kind of this idea that I can do both. And, and for me, I think that the great thing about school is that to some degree, you kind of have some level of control. Like I'm really trying to pick classes that I'm genuinely interested in. Like we do have a certain degree of freedom our first couple of years that we're there um, before we have to declare in our, in our sophomore year. But I think that kind of taking advantage of that is, is really interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. So what would you tell if there's a student who's in your, you know, what you're almost one semester down, a freshman somewhere in America doing virtual learning, maybe feeling like, ah, this wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Like, it's not as fun or it's, it's just more, you know, it, I haven't met anybody. You in turn decided to take the path of building, meeting people online, right? And using Twitter and using your network. So like, how could somebody change maybe their spring semester based on what you've learned this fall? Yeah, I think it, it, it really depends on kind of what medium you want to use. But I definitely would say like view as kind of like you do have a lot more time on your hand. And obviously it depends on each person. I know some people that are kind of using this as opportunity like, oh, online school is like a little easier. So maybe I'll like stack up on classes. I definitely sure. that. I'm taking a super light uh, course load. But I think that if you're kind of in a similar situation, like what is one way that you can build your own project, right? And I think it doesn't have to be kind of remote. It doesn't have to be online, but just some way that you can kind of do something that you're really interested in it. And I would recommend doing it in public. Uh, if that's um, kind of something that fits your idea, it definitely helps, right? Because you're going to get people that are interested in it. You're kind of going to build this small community around you um, that you can actually connect with. that can continue to give you advice and at least kind of even on a technical level that helps because you're kind of getting on calls with them and so when you're on a call with someone kind of at school like you feel a lot more comfortable you feel a lot more natural i know that's helped me a lot just by virtue of like being on so many calls during the day sure yeah or you i know you're in um, robbie's cohort we had robbie on the lead more podcast about performative speaking like to learn those skills at such a young age and I'm sure you would, you would probably say you're in progress, right? And you're working on it. Um, that's, that's really important. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's the cool, another cool thing. Like you find yourself caught up in a lot of things that you, not caught up, but like you find yourself like being able to learn a lot of these things that honestly, I probably wouldn't have thought of like if I had gone down a more normal path, the traditional path until like the thirties, my thirties. And so, yeah, Robbie's kind of like, I guess Robbie's a good example. He's kind of like the first online friend I made. Like we get on weekly calls to kind of just check in on what we're doing. We always try and help each other out. I filmed kind of like a module for him, um, kind of uh, for his course about like my experience as a podcaster and what that means speaking. He helps with any, if I have something that I'm writing that needs editing, we do that for one another. It's like, it's a great experience. And like I like for me getting to learn from someone who's had a bunch of trials under his belt who kind of knows what he does when it comes to storytelling communicating although I might not be like a public speaker or a lawyer in the future like that's such a valuable skill to have that people don't realize um, I think early on enough 
Yeah, that's great. You mentioned your experience with Jack. You kind of described it as an apprenticeship. And I think I love that word. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about mentors um, in our life, and we often think that they have they, they often perceive them as someone older than us, someone who's been there before, someone who's come before us. But I often think it's really important to be both a mentor, but also to be a mentee, you know, and to have friends who are a generation older than you, friends who are a generation younger than you, because you just learn. And, and you know, um, people are in different different perspectives, different worldviews. So what's something you would say if you met, uh, I mean, I guess to me, I guess we'll say, we'll just use this. I'm a 35-year-old. I am a CEO of a, of a company. What's something that you can teach me? I mean, I feel like you are right now, but what's some, when you think about student mindset, what's something you would tell a leader? Yeah, it's always really shocking to me. I think that when I look at kind of like my Twitter or podcast analytics, like it's so surprising that the vast, vast majority of my audience is, is probably older than me. Not in like old in a sense, right? They're probably 20 to 40s when I look mm -hmm. at my analytics, but I just like always thought that people that would be interested in something I have to say is usually people that are younger than me or just like, it's always that idea you have in your head, right? And then like, even last week, I was like so surprising. Um, I took Rite of Passage, which is this online writing course. Mm -hmm. Some One person I met in there that kind of I stayed in contact with, uh, we got on a call last week and he just told me he's starting kind of his own podcast and it was really inspired by me. But and I, that was just so shocking to me. He's someone I looked up to like myself, like in terms of the work he was doing, um, kind of he's, his focus is on kind of tech and social media and the, like the health effects of tech. And so that was really interesting to just see that kind of like he was like seeing your process out there in public kind of helped drive him as is a almost an accountability measure. So it's, it's just like, I would say it's really humbling to, to see that. But to answer your original question, uh, I think that for me, it's kind of this idea of the balance between like mindfulness and, and productivity. I think that, right, for a while, like almost the competitiveness of like our work culture, our school culture, um, definitely went to a really competitive high school you can definitely say I'm at a very competitive college right now, but sure. it, this idea of like, you have to put your head down and go a hundred percent all the time. And I think that it's like that, that leads a lot of people to, to this idea of burning out and, and really focusing on kind of mindfulness at an early age. I feel like there's this weird bias where it's like, yeah, you can only be mindful after you're kind of like read a bunch of books. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that but I think just like recognizing that early like for founders in their 30s and everything I think that that's really important too obviously there's moments where you need to go on sprints and things like that but in the long run like recognizing and adding that as part of your practice is really important yeah that's great we have this kind of mantra at Lemonly we talk about called better every day and you know it's very much out of like some of the James Clear philosophy that one percent better and the power of compound interest and we believe in it so much. It's a neon sign. So when you walk into the office, you, you have to see it. And so to me, regardless of age, once you think that you've just, once you've decided you've learned everything or there's nothing left to learn, like that's when you start going the opposite direction. Right. And right. so learning from people older, younger, new tactics, new skills, it's, that's yeah, great. It's good stuff. I think there's this one thing I really like where it's kind of like this ladder theory of expertise where you're kind of like looking for people one or two steps ahead of you and one to two steps behind you. I think it's really important because like you don't want someone who's like super, super far ahead of you because they could can't provide you the same advice 
as someone who's only one or two steps. Yeah, they're too far removed. Yeah. If I'm talking about like Mark Cuban, like he doesn't remember anything. I don't want to say he doesn't remember. It's like yeah, hard no. to describe or like understand where you're coming from. And I'm not saying my end goal is someone like a Mark Cuban. I'm just trying to like. Yeah, totally. Being really far, but um, maybe for someone like who does coaching, like someone who's like, like you, it's probably harder to, for you to talk and un- get value out of Tony Robbins than someone who's just started their coaching practice has five to six clients or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that ability to, you'll sometimes go up the ladder and sometimes going back down to kind of reset or relearn. Yeah. Sure. Uh, this is great. Well, let's move into a little rapid fire, just to kind of get to know you as a person at the end here. Um, I know when I was in college, I felt like I didn't ever get to have time to read uh, for my personal interest because I always had to read for school. But I don't know if you're a reader. What's a book you recommend, a book that you um, that you made a big impact on you? Yeah, recently I read uh, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Mm-hmm. I really yep. enjoyed that. Um, I've always been a big fan of kind of his writing. I think he writes in this really nice narrative prose way. Um, so I would recommend that. Cool. Um, sounds like you're pretty mindful. So maybe you don't get too stressed. You seem like a pretty calm guy, but, uh, 2020 has been stressful. So I've been asking guests in the show, how do you unplug? What's like a hobby that you use to clear your head? Yeah, I go on a run and I have a lift at the same time, kind of like every day. So it's just always been, and I usually just listen to music on the way. So like, that's always been a great way for me to unplug it's been something i've been doing for a while like throughout high school that was a, like a consistent routine so it's like it's good to just like it, it feels familiar in this time of like unfamiliarity yeah that's great that consistency what uh this is a question we ask at lemonly when we hire folks because i'm from the midwest here where we often aren't very good at bragging about ourselves pretty humble so what's your superpower like what's the one thing you think you do better than anyone else yeah, I think that for me, it's like I try and make my guests really comfortable on the podcast. I think that afterwards, like my goal is to like obviously have them say that this is a really good experience, like to a stage where they would even recommend people. And so yeah. I think I'm very good at like, I guess like reading people, kind of seeing like what type of person they are and trying to adapt to that. Um, I think that's that's always helpful, I guess, kind of like a serial networker in that way that might be a superpower <laughs> do you think that was a more of a learned trait or just something you've been good at your whole life i think it's it's a bit of both but i, I definitely say there's like parts of just like how i naturally am that i think have, have helped with that <laughs> cool yeah that makes sense in your dna well, Brandon, you're super young, so I don't, I'd be curious to hear the answer to this question in terms of like mentors in your life, people, whether you know them or you just, you know, read about them and they inspire you, but who are, who are some of those folks that you look up to? Yeah, I think there's two mainly, uh, I think obviously Jack I've talked about, but he's kind of like that direct mentor that I have access to that I can kind of text at any time, um, kind of about kind of the work that we're doing, but also just anything personally. Um, that I kind of want to ask him, get his, his, get his take on. Like, that's kind of like a very direct, I guess, like mentor. And then someone who's a bit more, I guess, like separated, but I still kind of talk to is um, Steve Schlafman. I think he does, he runs a coaching practice um, called High Output, but I had him on my podcast as well. And I, I was just really interested in kind of like the experiences that he's had um, less of a direct contact, but still someone I really look up to in terms of like 
the work he's done, work he's doing, um, things like that. I love that, that second part, like reaching out to him as someone that's a mentor, because I think that's something that I'm not sure people understand the power. Twitter could be the vehicle. It doesn't really matter. It could be an email, but of just asking somebody, right? Like, Hey, Steve, will you come on my podcast? And in one way you're thinking, well, he's, why is he going to come on my podcast? He doesn't know who I am. But then in the same way, it's like, why not? And if you ask the worst thing he could say is, you know, not right now, or maybe later, or just, no. which, what, how does that hurt you? It doesn't hurt you at all. Right. Right. I think that, yeah, it could definitely be done through any medium. But I think like the surprising thing about Twitter is that it's like underrated how many eyeballs get like get shown on your tweets. And so actually like some of the guests that I've asked, they're like, oh, I've seen your tweets before. Or like, oh, it feels familiar because I've like seen you, seen your av- little avatar on Twitter. And so I think that's one advantage. It's just like the impressions on Twitter is like way bigger of a number than kind of the likes that you're getting and things like that. So you're always kind of surprised about like who might have seen something from you and and maybe that's left a, a little impact on them. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this is great, uh, Brandon. Tell us, tell folks if they're listening, how can they, you know, follow you or get in touch with us to see some of your work? Yeah, uh, I think that Twitter is kind of the most direct way. Like I said, I have my DMs open and kind of like in the mold of a lot of people that I like reaching out to. So if you guys ever want to chat, that's probably the most direct way. I also write a weekly newsletter, um, which is you, you can just be found by typing my name.com and then the, the, you'll kind of get access to my email that way if you want to use that to reach out. I know not everyone definitely has a Twitter account. That's a pretty bold assumption to make. Um, and then at the same web address, you can find some of my writing as well as my podcast. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time, Brandon. This is fun to get to meet you and then talk a little bit more about what you're working on. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. It was, it was fun to reflect. All right, leaders. That was episode 23 with Brandon John. If you aren't excited about the future and hopeful after learning from a 19 year old leader like Brandon, then I don't know what you're doing. It's a great reminder that we all, regardless of our age, need to embrace that student mindset, that better every day to constantly learn. And we can learn from so many different people. So thanks for Brandon for coming on the show. Reminder, we drop new episodes every Thursday of the Lead More Podcast. You can find those at leadmorepodcast.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. I'm John T. Meyer, your host, and you can find me at John T. Meyer on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. I'd love to connect. Let me know if you're listening to the show, and I'm so sincerely thankful if you are. So thanks for listening. Have a great day.